Welcome to episode 16 of All Car Radio, the All Car Leasing Podcast. So with uh, we haven't recorded uh, in a couple of weeks because we have been absolutely snowed under again. There's no excuse, so we apologise for everyone who's been chopping at the bit for the next episode. Yeah, eagerly awaiting. Uh, but we have managed to squeeze in some time to, to record uh, a new one. Uh, before I start, I'd like to extend our thanks uh, uh, from All Car Leasing to the Leasing Broker Federation. We mentioned in the last episode about uh, the uh, awards dinner, uh, which recognises brokers and other people in the industry um, for their results, performance and the contributions to the industry. So we'd like to thanks, uh, thank the uh, Leasing Broker Federation for uh, letting us uh, come up. We, we didn't win. I said I wouldn't mention it, but uh, we are humble uh, in, in defeat um, and uh, we obviously wanted to extend our congratulations to everyone who won on uh, on the night. It was uh, eye opening and really really nice. I think to mm. to <clears throat> to spend the evening with other people from the industry that aren't obviously in uh, in in the building that we're yeah. in. So we had some quite interesting chats with uh, with some of our competitors, some of our suppliers, and stuff like that about the leasing industry in general, uh, how the future's looking uh, looking like. Uh, but but yeah, it was a it was a really well well done dinner. The food was absolutely exquisite, fantastic, wasn't it? And uh, yeah, um, the, the winners were well well deserved. We had, we had no complaints with 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 any of the winners. And yeah, so we just like to add that note at the beginning mm-hmm. there. Anyway, so the episode that we've got for you today is with the release of obviously the sixty nine plate uh, last month. Um, we decided to take a look at the year in view from the um, sixty eight plate. No, sixty-seven plate. No, uh, no, sixty-eight to sixty-nine. Sixty-eight to sixty-nine yeah. plate. We had to look. We got all of our statistics together to find uh, what are the most popular leased cars from all car leasing. So the statistics are ours, not necessarily the industry, um, because a lot of uh, brokers such as us have their own sort of niche and stuff like that. Um, I would say that you know what sells the most as an average probably isn't the same from broker to broker. Yeah, not representative industry wide. Yeah, but but we find ourselves we have a bit of a niche uh, when you look at the top five. Uh, Spoiler: so It's German, uh, but we'll get into more more details. Um, but yeah, so this is the episode we've got for you today. So we may as well just just get going. So all we've done is look at all the, the deals that we've we've completed um, from last September to um, was it the. Last the the end of last uh, month, yeah, about about midway through. Um, so we just got them all together to give people a bit of an insight of what what we've done, um, you know, in, in the last year, and to see if there's any anything interesting, anything uh, surprises. There are definitely surprises. Anyway, so uh, we'll start by doing it in reverse. Anyway, so what we've done is we've just got a list of the ten most popular cars, not specific derivatives, just like the the make of the model. So we're going to start with one of my all-time favourite cars ever uh, in number 10, which is the Seat Leon Hatchback. Um, so this was our 10th most popular uh, model that we leased in the last 12 months. <clears throat> Not totally surprised. I, if I, well, a little bit surprised. I thought it would be a bit higher because the Leon is, in, in my eyes, one of the best sort of cars you can get um, because it's a, it is a German car. It uses, obviously, Volkswagen engines. Packaged in a sportier bo- uh, body. Yeah, with I, I've always seen them as a sporty alternative to the Golf. Well, and and cheaper. Yeah, and uh, the Leon. I wouldn't say significantly cheaper than uh, the Golf, uh, but is quite a bit cheaper. Uh, I think what really drove um, a lot of our Leon sales were actually the FR models specifically, 
and um, we did a lot of Coopers. Mm. Um, Cooper is still a popular model, just like the Golf R. Well, well yeah, exactly. A, a Cooper is um, a, a cheaper version of the Golf R, essentially. Slightly not quite as powerful and speedy, mm. but it's Front wheel drive as well instead of all wheel. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, is this a surprise to you? What, what do you think of the, the Leon being in this list? I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit surprised it's in the top 10 because it. I still think it is a bit more niche than the likes of the Golf. Oh, well, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously the Golf is like one of the top sellers in the world, really. So, um, yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense. It's a, a commuter car, unless you go for the Cooper, of course. So, yeah, I, I'm half and half on it. Yeah, I'm not... Uh, yeah, so the FR and the Cooper were the ones that to really drive the sales of the, of the Leon. And obviously the FR is the top trim. So although Leon is um, obviously not as well equipped as the Golf, the FR is actually comparative to a lot of the golf trims um, and it's got great residual value which is the point um, I think the finance companies recognise that uh, obviously when the people that lease the Leons via them hand the car back <coughs> it's still got a lot of its value left a lot of them are good over two years as well yeah so I think a Leon is going to be a really good used car for the finance companies to have to sell or you know or the auction whatever mm. um, okay number nine Definitely not a surprise. It's not a surprise it's in the top 10, but it's a surprise that it's as low as it is, in my opinion. The Ford, the new Ford Fiesta. Um, anyone who's listening to this, and if they're listening on the commute, have a look around you. I bet you, you can see a Fiesta. The new, the new model. Yeah. I've got one. Um, they are absolutely brilliant cars and they are everywhere. Um, it's really affordable. Um, we also, I, I did a, a podcast a while ago about trims mm. and I used the Fiesta as one of the examples because the Fiesta offers so many different trims it makes it an extremely uh, broad um, car t- for, for so many budgets and tastes for example you can get the entry level s- trend trend yeah. trend. you can go all the way up to Titanium X or even the Vignal or the ST and there's like a completely different experience from from start to finish. It's a really well-made car. It looks great from the outside. Uh, the infotainment system has been overhauled. And it's, well, I've got one of them a bit biased. I think it's one of the best in its segment. It's one of the most modern cars in its segment, having only been re- refreshed recently. So a lot of the competitors are still a little bit behind, I think. So it's a no-brainer that Fiesta's in here, but I, I thought it would be higher. I thought the Fiesta was always going to be popular whether it was leased or whether it was just bought or, you know, financed outright. Um, in terms of lease, I, I guess it's low in the list because more people do just finance them. Yes, that's a good point, actually. That's, that's what a good friend uh, and the producer of the show, Ross, mentioned, that Fiesta does attract people that don't necessarily lease it, um, the PCP route or, 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 or whatever. So, so yeah, maybe, maybe that's why it's quite low. Um, it's not... As popular, well, it's possibly good. the price point then bringing it down, and that's why the residuals are so cheap as well. Mm. Well, the residual values are one of the reasons why the Fiesta is such a good car for re- return on investment. It will definitely sell when it's used mm. without any question. Um, and obviously, with the award winning EcoBoost engine, um, it's econ- economical whether you take the petrol or the diesel. Um, I think most of the ones we've done are actually the petrols. Yeah, the, the EcoBoost. Yeah, uh, the EcoBoost 100 in particular does have a bit of punch, and it's quite economical. And the new Fiesta has a sixth gear where the old EcoBoost didn't. 
also has an eco mode, so it's drastically more economical than the previous outgoing Fiesta. So pretty much Ford have improved this car across the board. Um, it's kind of the same story going forward now, and that petrols are just becoming more popular than diesels as well. Uh, number eight in our list is the Land Rover Discovery Sport, quite a luxury vehicle, which is actually quite an achievement for both us and Land Rover themselves. Usually, you know, you, you would imagine that the you know the more affordable cars are the most popular to lease. So the Discovery Sport being in this list at all is a testament to, to how good the car is, how popular mm. the car is, and for us as well. Uh, to to make sure that we we get the prices competitively uh, to competitive as we possibly can, it is a fabulous car. Yeah, the prices went down on the run up to the facelift coming out, and the facelift came out and looks just as good. Yeah, the Discovery Sport was one of the first ones in the Land Rover fleet to get that overhaul. You know when they get rid of the um, door. I look at them. You know when they get rid of the door handles. Slowly, yeah. every model gets their door handles taken away. Yeah, like the bar. The Sport, I think, came first. Then the Vlad. Now, the Evoque doesn't have door handles. Uh, now, the the Range Rover is probably going to be next. I can't believe mm. they haven't already done it. Very space age. But yeah, I absolutely love the Discovery Sport. And if, if I'm right, we did an article last year, which we probably should be doing a podcast on very soon. The Land Rover Discovery Sport was voted our number one best car for winter. Yes, it was, actually, yeah. Um, Had the, everything you yeah, want. Yeah, the Land Rover Discovery Sport, we... Um, yeah, we definitely do need to do this podcast um, to, to make people more aware that we did, did this study at all because we got into the press and everything. Mm. Uh, yeah, the Land Rover Discovery Sport we found is one of the one of the best car for winter because it ticked all of the boxes. A lot of cars did tick most of the boxes, but the Discovery Sport had... Something for everything. There, everything. Yeah. Everything yeah. that you need for winter. Um, at number seven, one of my other favourite cars of all time, similar to the Leon, similar to the Golf, it's the Skoda Octavia. Yeah, another really popular commuter car. Oh, it's just like a, a generic business lease car as well. Dead affordable. Yeah, a well lot spent. of yeah, a lot of our Octavia uh, customers were uh, business. So obviously, um, you know, uh, private leases are more or less our most common customer. But there was about as many business customers as there were personal customers for the Octavia because it's so reliable, economical. Um, it, I think it's got more space than the Golf and the Leon. Mm. So if you um, were looking for a, a car that, I don't know, was if, if you didn't a company want, car. Yeah, if you didn't want the traditional hatchback <clears throat> shape, I suppose mm. the Octavia is the first car you'd start with. Yeah, and it also has the VRS model, which and, I yeah. think is one of the best looking cars ever. In particular, and I know, I know uh, yourself and Ross disagree with me on this, I like the estate version more than the uh, hatch mm. version. Um, I, 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 my favourite bit of the Bodeo Saver VRS in particular is actually the alloy wheels. Yeah, they um, are nice, actually. Yeah. The, the, the black ones with the, with the blue, blue can, paint and I the black alloy. I appreciate it. I mean, I like the green it comes in, but obviously not everyone wants to own a green car. No, no, yeah, VRS green. Uh, it's an op- Yeah, the Octavia should have been here because it's a fabulous car and it has been. A fabulous car from the minute it was released. The minute the Volkswagen Group took over Skoda and brought out their first proper German Octavia, um, it was it was just the best. It was it was the be- one of the best and most reliable car in its segment. And it almost um, it, taxi drivers love it because it just it, it it's just comfy. It as gets well. dri- driven for so many miles and it's just incredibly reliable. But even if you're not a taxi driver, 
it's it's got a balance of return on investment, but it's got loads of tech and comfort inside. Mm. It, it's like it's been made for someone who just is on the road for quite a while, whether you are on them or not. It's just comfortable. The engine's great. It looks professional, I think. It's a bit like the inverse to the Seat. Yeah. Leon. If you were to put the Golf, the Octavia, and the, the Leon next to each other, the Octavia is the professional one. The Golf's like the family one. The Leon's like the sporty one. Yeah. Um, I think that's the appeal. Uh, moving on from the Octavia to another business car, and one that we had an incredible offer on, and if anything, we, this wasn't on offer for the full 12 months, but it still managed to get to the top 10 ju- be, just based on how strong that offer was, is the amazing Jag XF Saloon. <laughs> yeah, we had a few of those, didn't we? Yes, our sport... Um, the 250 brake horsepower petrol one. Yeah. With the R sport and some uh, prestige models, I think. Yeah, we we had a lot of stock offers on this, and they're all gone. Mm. The, they were all gone and they went really quickly because obviously it's um, it was the updated XF uh, obviously a really powerful automatic engine with and I think they all had a body kit on them so they obviously they it is an executive car yeah they weren't with, the entry levels yeah yeah with a really nice body kit it was professional and sporty and yeah the, the, our customers loved it mm. absolutely loved it and it was a pleasure uh, because we had a, a trial version, didn't we? And we all had a bit of a spin on it. And I just remember, I couldn't believe how agile a car of that size could be. I was expecting it to be a bit blocky going around corners, mm. but it it was... Like a big boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it just wasn't the case. What did you think when you when you took it out, Chris? I don't know. It's way, way too big. I, I felt a bit out of my comfort zone, to be honest with you, coming from a hatchback. Yeah, yeah. But the power, yeah, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah. It yeah, it just doesn't look like a car that should have that much power. No, because it you know, for a, for a businessman. I think so my, my favorite part about it was the front end. I really like the R Spot bumper. Yeah, yeah, and the big alloy wheels are one of some of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so we're now down to the top five. Um, in number five of the top least cars in the last twelve months, according to all calculated data is a Nissan Qashqai. Um, I, I can't... It, it's a great car. It's one of the cars that um, started really started off the crossover UK buzz in the first place. Um, obviously, the, the first generation, then had a refresh, then the second generation. And uh, honestly, I, I think the way it looks is so timeless that actually the, the current body that the Qashqai has has been around for... A, a few years, but if you look at it, it is still ultra modern, um, and it's um, actually built in the UK as well. Uh, how many podcasts ago was that uh, that we were talking about? Um, about two, I reckon. Two podcasts ago, yeah. yeah. So the Qashqai is built in Britain, uh, and it's our fifth most sold car of eighteen slash nineteen. I'm not, I'm not really surprised it made the list to be honest with you, because if uh, if you're looking for a family car that wasn't a hatchback. Qashqai is probably where you'd start looking yeah, as yeah. a crossover. Yeah, if you were looking for a, would you call it mid? Yeah, mid, mid-range crossover, Qashqai is probably the first yeah. word in in everyone's head. Um, and quite often we get people specifically saying, I want something like the Qashqai. Mm. And what we have seen though is a decline in people wanting the Kia Sportage and more people wanting the Qashqai. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number four is a note, this is no surprise, the Audi A4 Saloon. Um, and it's, it's not at all 
um, a surprise because um, big it's company car, big yeah, big company car, similar to the slightly bigger than the well, not slightly yeah, slightly bigger than the Xavier, and has had a facelift. Most cars that have had a facelift, they start selling quite strongly. Mm. And the A4 is one of the most popular cars in its segment, if not the most popular car. Um, and yeah, the German invasion in our top 10 list pretty much starts now. It's more of a complete package, the A4 now, after the facelift. Because beforehand, you used to have to spec the tech pack or the, you know, the, you know, for the virtual cockpit, which is like one of the most desirable features yeah. in an Audi, yeah, in yeah. my opinion, anyway. Um, it's all involved in the uh, well included sorry in the black edition models now yeah um, and uh, possibly what really drives um, the A4 to, to be in our list is the fact that on average you can actually lease it from less than £250 a month which I don't think a lot of people would realise if they didn't visit our website that mm. the A4 is an expensive car that you can get for cheap it's the best way to describe it really yeah uh, in number three one series halfback and not the facelift or the obviously the the outgoing model of the one series hatchback. One of the reasons why it's on there, the one series is almost permanently in the top ten list. Mm. Usually top five, if not top three. I wonder if that'll still be the case with the new model though, because it's quite a controversial shape. I think I think the the new shape uh, is going to sell like hotcakes. First of all, uh, I th- I think it looks absolutely phenom- phenomenal. The new one series. Um, and it follows the trend of the 3 Series, which we're incredibly big fans. Yeah. The thing about the 1 Series is it's the entry-level BMW, a very prestigious brand. Um, the 1 Series has almost always been one of the most popular cars in the UK, full stop. It's got a massive, bigger than I think what a lot of people realise, uh, range of engines available. The trims are very attractive. So you can start off with like the, the entry level SEs and stuff like that. If you want a sporty looking, and they make a big effort with the with the with the M Sport trim, it really looks sporty. <clears throat> Not only that, one of our most popular one series isn't even like a. I'm, I'm doing the court marks with my hands here. <laughs> Standard one series. It's the M135 slash M140i, which is one of the yeah. most popular one series that we've ever sort of had. <laughs> and, and yeah, and a lot of people will be very surprised to learn that you can actually lease this from as little as two twenty. Um, what 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 do you think, Chris? What do you think has driven um, the sales of the one series in the past past year? I think just before the new model came on the horizon, I think the residuals were strengthened by that, and everyone yeah. was jumping on it just to get the best. Well, if if you preferred the old shape, now was the time. Yeah, yeah. The, the residual value is a key thing that we keep mentioning in, in a lot of podcasts, and it's been featured quite quite heavily in a few of our sort of leasing guide esque podcasts, where the residual value does play a huge part with how cheap it is. If a car holds its value well, it's actually cheaper to lease, which means the most popular cars and the best cars are the cheapest to lease. So you get mm. a lot of discount, you get a lot of the price off, um, and the one series. Is like you just look at how many used one series on the roads. Yeah. The first generation, there's so many of them still on the roads because it's reliable, it holds its value well, it's quite attractive, it's got somewhat of a timeless look about it. Um, and it's one of the last six, well, I suppose it's the last six cylinder one series for now because the new M135i is a four cylinder. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's almost nothing not to like about the one series. An interesting uh, thing. Which will I forgot to mention in the first. This is also this podcast is also being going to be in, in a blog post format. If you prefer to read it, we do expand uh, a little bit more uh, than the podcast in in the blog post itself. 
if you want to check that out. Uh, but what we found is he uh, with uh, Bradford, Colchester, and Hampshire prefer the one series over any other maker model. So although it's in the top three list as an average across obviously UK, in those towns one series was the right. most popular car. Um, it, it's just it's a luxury German vehicle and affordable prices. Yeah. It's on strapline. It's probably BMW's actual own strapline. Yeah. Now that it's got its face, I can see this. If we were to ever do this every year, which I do, actually, mm. I'd say that the one series will be back again. Yeah. I would say, no, yeah, we mentioned outgoing models. Well, now the, the new model of the one series is back again. And the thing about a lot of controversial facelifts is what a lot. I, I, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, Chris. I apologise, I apologise to Ross producer as well. What I find and uh, with like really mainstream popular cars, I get a refresh. And if you have a look at our Facebook page, <clears throat> whenever we post, um, you know, uh, an article, uh, not a post, like a, um, a picture and say, what, what do you think of this new redesign for this car? It's almost always polarising. Mm. Uh, it's always like, it's not like unanimous, ne- never unanimous that people are like, I love it, end of. It's always like, oh, I prefer the, the previous one. Uh, or whatever, it's usually about 50-50. And the reason for that is, obviously, it's a compliment to how well they did the previous ones, that they people loved it so much that they want to keep it. And a lot of it is, obviously, bitterness by people who have the existing one. Yeah. They, they, all of a sudden, they know they will be driving a car that isn't the latest one. Even if they've got a private number plate now, that's the thing, It's, it's they're not latest, it, it's, it's gone. The Fiesta, um, the Focus was quite polarising. Um, the new A1, quite polarizing. Uh, the A class? A, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, big time, yeah, actually. Um, the Fiesta, a little bit. Uh, the Q2, every car is usually, ooh, you know, people don't, a lot of people don't like change. They mm. like things to say the same. But a, a brand like BMW, they can't just keep making the same shell forever um, because people won't then buy it because they're, they're buying a car that has mm. been around for 20 years. They've got to innovate and they always do it. And to be honest with you, with how popular and how well BMW do their cars and any brand for that matter, it's like they know what they're doing. And I think that the new 1 Series is going to sell like hotcakes again. Mm. And then when this new 1 Series gets replaced in seven, eight years, that will always sell because at the end of the day, it's the 1 Series. Same with the 3 Series. Same with every car. Um, it's it's always going to sell because it's not so much about the way it looks. It's about what it is. It's a one series. People buy it because it's a one series. It's got a BMW on the front and the back. Um, it's got the tech on the inside. It's got the BMW engines in a different shell. Mm. It will sell because of that. Rant over. Uh, apologies again to Ross, the producer, who's got a bit more work. Um, and for you, Chris, who's... Uh, well, you just want to get on with this. So, Chris, the only shock... Of this whole list, I found, and I was really shocked about this. Do you want to tell the audience who the number two most sold car is? Yeah, so it is, drumroll, the E-Class Cabriolet. Mm. Yeah, of all cars. Huge shock. For Um, for a few reasons. Obviously, this one was quite popular just at the start of summer, maybe end of spring. That's, That's when we had an offer on it. Um, yeah, and the, the, there's two things why this one's a big shock. First of all, it's an E-Class, which is not a cheap car. The second of all, it's a cabriolet, and I suppose a sub bit of that, it's also, because it's a cabriolet, it's also a coupe, so it's not a family car. Mm. And but the, but the reason behind this is, obviously a lot of people are probably going to think, the E-Class, I don't clap cab, I don't even see that many 
Cavs on the Road, it's because it, this is what, what we sold. Yeah, we had an unbelievable one. offer on it in the past 12 months. And um, it was just, it was, a, I would call it a sleeper. Yeah, would I call it a sleeper hit? Because we've had it on offer for a long period of time, both stock models and factory orders, uh, it, it, it's also been refre- refreshed not that long ago. Mm. It was a very desire- desirable car at an incredibly desirable price. Yes, especially given the price point of the car. Yeah. Convert- everyone else's convertible models are always like, Ridiculously more expensive than their counterparts. We had a lot of people who initially inquired on an E-Class Coupe or an E-Class Saloon who ended up just taking the E-Class Cabriolet because they thought, oh, do you know, the price isn't that much difference, but I get I get a convertible. Yeah, that, that was it. It was like at the price point where like, no one would ever really consider a convertible just because they're always traditionally out of price point. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. this is now the chance where I could actually own a convertible for a bit and enjoy it for the same price as a Coupe. Yeah, yeah, it was an. It sold well because it was an incredible deal, more than because of the exact car it was. The price was just too tempting for it not to sell and be popular. Mm. Um, all right, so the last one is the number one spot, and to be honest with you, nine people out of ten who listened to this probably knew what it was going to be. It's really boring, but there's a really good reason behind it. It's the golf surprise, uh, but not. And we had a big discussion about this before we started recording. Um, it's not any particular golf. The reason why we sold so many golfs is, well, A and 1, it's a brilliant car. Mm. No one has ever got a big complaint about the golf. It does what it does, uh, exactly what it says on the tin, every single generation. Yeah, it's always done the little things really well. It's the ultimate family car in terms of price point and what it does. I mentioned earlier... Uh, that I have a Fiesta. I've also got a Golf. My, uh, I've got a, 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 almost a one-year-old. Um, the pram, my pram fits in the Golf. It doesn't fit in the Fiesta. And a lot of people will have something similar like that. Mm. For example, when they do the big shop, it's somewhat of a squeeze in the Fiesta. Not in the Golf. But the price difference between the Fiesta and the Golf is not that great. Mm. Um, but on the inside, the tech you get and the residual value means that the Golf is an extremely good value for money. And if you look at both ends of the spectrum of the Golf, it has got something on offer that most maker models don't. The SE Golf, which is pretty much the entry level, got a bit of a boost, more or less last year, where it was the SE Nav, not the SE. Which means that every most Golfs now, entry level, have a Nav built in, and that's huge. Mm. That means that it, it, it gets the jump on a lot of cars, at the time. And we have the updated screen as well. Yeah, so it's yeah. got a big screen, CarPlay, built-in nav, the works. Great commuter car. Excellent engines. Um, I got the 1.4 TSI. The petrol golfs were the most popular, not the diesels, but mm-hmm. it also had diesels available if someone wanted to go for that. The insurance is quite low. The economy is quite high. I, I, I mean, the the reviews, third-party reviews, Hour One, the likes of what car, Auto Express. Carwell, they all have good things to, to say. So it's almost like if you're shopping for a car that's in the family segment, you look around and think, well, no one's saying don't buy it. Yeah, Everyone like, is saying, if this is what you're after, this is the car for you. It's like the only reason you wouldn't consider a Golf is because you're uh, bored of owning one because it's just such a popular car. A lot yeah, of people have yeah. experienced them. And now I think the Trump card of the Golf got is because it's got something that, uh, that uh, can attract two complete, well, not four completely different customers. So, 
entry level SE, top of the range Golf R. That's two different customers, mm. two different price points. And that all contributes to the Golf sales. If you're looking for a luxury, yeah, I've got the, the Golf R's luxury because it's got, it's the top of the range tech interior and all the toys. A Golf R then competes with cars that aren't, aren't even in the same segment. The Golf then starts to compete with the likes of A-Class in terms of interior comfort, mm. GTI and above. Whereas the Golf SE probably doesn't compete that strongly against the A-Class. But now you're looking at the Golf R or maybe Golf GTI, Golf GTD. And all of a sudden they cost more or less the same, if not less than the A-Class. And you pretty much got get the same thing. Mm. The Golf then competes with its um, more posh brother, the A3. So the A3 as standard is more luxurious. But the Golf GTI is pretty much on par with an S-Line A3, yeah, would you say? Perhaps, yeah, yeah. And it's a similar price point. Uh, the Golf R's got 300 horsepower. And a lot of C-classes, A4s, don't have that performance unless you upgrade the engine. And then you start to look at the price between the two and you think, oh, hold on a minute. I can get a 300 horsepower Golf R for cheaper than, say, a 200 horsepower A4. Mm. So the Golf R begins to compete with people. He doesn't have a right to compete with people. And the Golf R has been on almost on a permanent offer. Yeah, same with the GTI and with yeah. the GTD for a bit as well. The GTD in particular, we could you could record a podcast on itself about how good the GTD is. Mm. 184 horsepower, and it's got DSG. Up, yeah, upwards of I think it's got well over 55 miles per gallon. Yeah, I was considering a GTD before I got my car. Yeah, so the GTD, all of a sudden you look at it and think, oh, bang it. yeah, the interior is quite luxurious. It's economical and powerful. And you get the tartan seats. Yeah. <laughs> and you think to yourself, well, why, why aren't people leasing more of these? And, well, the answer is, people are, actually. And the, run, the new Golf is actually announced this month. Yeah. In about 10 days, I think, from now. Uh, I'm not sure whether they're going to release the GTI or the R with the new shape announcement. They would have to, I think. Yeah. Um, so, so. I, yeah. I remember a time where there wasn't, you know, the R34 hmm. was a niche car. If you look on the roads now, the Golf R is not niche anymore. It's quite mainstream there's a lot of them on the roads yeah i keep saying to myself i see as many golf r's slash gti's as i do um ses i, I think leasing's had a big part in that you know mm. right i always whenever i see a golf r it's either blue or it's white the golf is one of my favorite cars ever and there's more reasons than ever to lease one now um and i think it will continue to do it i think they will continue to do gti and gtds and golf r's Forever, mm-hmm. um, I think possibly the uh, the popularity of the Golf R, Golf GTI, and GTD could have contributed to the reason why Scirocco got cancelled. Yeah, because now the Scirocco was like the sporty one, but all of a sudden people are like, which one do I want to get, Scirocco R or a Golf R? And people have just gone for the Golf R instead, cannibalising. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. probably came down to the whole doors argument as well because I think people are just buy five doors now just for mm. the sake of it the Golf R is still a family car mm. it's still got five doors still got the same boot as the SE does if you then go down to the GTI a bit more economical than the Golf R it becomes even more of a, you know, uh, a family car um, not quite as an economical and then you go look look at the king of sort of uh, middle of the roading the GTD yeah Economy, performance, styling, balance of everything. 
And that is exactly why the golf art is number one. It's not a surprise whatsoever. It's going to take a big effort to unseat the golf, which is interesting. The next time, will do, you, do we think the focus is going to catch up? Because there's now a, a new Focus ST on the roads. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the ST is now in a diesel, which in the, in the, in the past it wasn't. I think the, the focus could give the new golf a run for its money. It's going to be an interesting battle of the hatchbacks. Maybe this time next year might be uh, the Ford Focus. Maybe second, I reckon. Yeah. Who knows? But anyway, that is the top 10. So we're just going to do a quick recap. So in a reverse order, and just to, to um, remind you of what this list actually was, it's um, the most popular cars that all car leasing have leased since September 2018 to mid-September 2019. It's not like a, an interesting one. It's just what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, number 10, Leon Hatchback, Ford Fiesta Hatchback, Discovery Sport, Octavia, XF Saloon, the Qashqai, A4 Saloon, 1 Series Hatchback, E-Class Cabriolet, and the almighty king of leasing, the Golf. Um, so... We'll make sure to add um, a link to each one of these uh, these ten pages, so you can have a look at what offers we've got on these ten um, right now. Because obviously, this list isn't necessarily what is the hot offer right now. It's only what we've done, in, you know, uh, with the most popular cars mm. in the last year. But Chris is a regular feature. After this, is going to be what you know what's hot right now uh, to get us a sixty-nine plate. I suppose as, as one last thing, then, if there was one car that you reckon would be in this list next year, what would it be? Golf. The golf again? Yeah, I yeah I don't know if it's gonna. Be, yeah, I think the new golf is twenty twenty. Well, it will be produced in twenty twenty. Yeah, it's announced this month. So yeah. Um, actually, my predictions are the new Evoke is gonna start uh, because I'm starting to see them on the road yeah, now. Yeah. I think it's gonna start building up some steam. Um, I don't think the XF is going to be on the list next year because um, I think it's going to be. It'll be its faceless model. Or run something. out. Uh, yeah, I think the Qashqai is going to stay. I think the Discovery Sport is going to stay. I can see the Fiesta gaining spaces. I think it's going to. It's ninth in this list. I can see it getting maybe top five um, towards the end. Um, the Duke maybe because now that the new Duke's been announced, the prices on run out are going to be bonkers, and I think that's going to give it a really big hurrah. Um, I reckon the A class, the A class hatchback, A class hatchback, yeah, and the one series. Mm. So it's going to be, as, I think it's going to be as it was in terms of the top ten, but I think their positions are going to be quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thanks very much for tuning in, and apologise, apologies, sorry again for not uh, releasing a podcast uh, sooner. We have been absolutely snowed under up to our eyeballs in um, just getting people's cars out. Pretty much. Mm. We've been extremely busy. Always happens with the new Reg. Um, I think our next episode we've got lined up is a bit of a different one. Um, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but I'm hoping it's going to be related to cinema. Uh, and I'm going to just leave it at that. Possibly gaming, one or the other. Um, because we don't want to do mm. two leasing heavy ones in a row. Because actually, our most popular podcasts have actually been off topic. Yeah. Um, because we don't know if people are a bit bored uh, of you know hearing about us talk about leasing, um, like we keep t- talking about. But anyway, I that's it for me, the host Ronnie. Um, the next bit now is just going to be Chris going down 
the, the deal the hot deals we've got on um, got on right now. Uh, but as usual, check out our website. Go to the special offers section to see what we've got going on right now. We've got a, a few really, really bonkers deal that I, I know Chris is going to be in more, more detail. But thanks again for listening, uh, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Okay, so for this week's deal roundup, I'm going to highlight the A-class range. We've just had quite a few special offers come in, um, but the cheapest one is the A180D AMG Line Auto, which is the it's the entry-level diesel engine, but it by, by no means is it slow or a, or a, a negative at all. Um, it's also the most economical of the bunch, but it is from £212 a month, which uh, is significantly cheaper than most of our other A-classes, even the SE models, because um, there's some extra discount behind it. But if you want the new sat-nav, uh, the, the augmented reality one, we also have the A200D AMG Line Executive Auto, which is available for an extra... £24 a month, so that's £236.83. They're both really good deals at the moment, but aside from those two, we also have quite a few other ACAS models available as well. We've got the A200D, just just the standard non-exec pack. We've got some sports on offer, and we've also got some A220s, I think, as well, just the petrol ones. But all of them are in auto, all of them are on AMG line, so they're really good deals to look at at the moment. I'll leave links in the description below if you want to check them out for yourself. Uh, Thanks for listening for this week's podcast, and we'll see you in the next one.